Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hey everyone, welcome to a live recording of the Engadget podcast here during our CES 2021 stage. I'm senior editor Dimitra Hardwar. I'm joined by our reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe. As always, hey Sherlyn. Hey, how are you? Doing okay. And our UK bureau chief Matt Smith. Hey Matt. Hey, how's everyone going? Are we almost finished yet? Almost. Uh, almost done. Almost done. Are we there almost yet? Um, we are going to be talking <laughs> about CES, of course. And this is being recorded on Wednesday morning after we've gone through two full days of the show, uh, working like crazy to kind of cover all the content coming out. There's still news coming out today too, so we're not going to hit everything in this episode. But yeah, we're going to dive into some of the top CES announcements, some of our favorite things too. And of course, we're going to follow up with uh, the show from last week, you know, the resulting uh, aftermath of what social media companies did after right-wing extremists stormed the U.S. Capitol. So you got your combo of tech news and a bit of (laughs) politics in this week's episode. As always, you guys can check us out live for our normal Engadget podcast episode recordings, uh, usually around Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. We're doing a little early this week just because of the CS schedule and everything. You can reach us at podcastengadget.com and uh, be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review. That's always helpful. Um, Sherlyn, Matt, this is our first virtual CES, and to me, things just feel really different, right? It doesn't feel like CES if we're not all crammed into uh, a smelly, sweaty trailer right in front of the Las Vegas Convention Center trying to get all of our stories done. This feels different. How do you guys feel about the show so far? I, I, I feel like I've said this a lot already, so I'm going to not keep saying how strange it is to not be around you guys. But I think Matt uh, mm-hmm. has seen some benefits, some upsides. Yeah, I'm just loving being on my own time zone. I mean, sure, like I've got a spotlight here because it's already like grim, gray and dark. It's only like 3.30 p.m. here, but it's that classic British weather in full effect. Um, but it's kind of nice to A, not be jet lagged. B, kind of avoid some of the work because I'm on the wrong time zone. Uh-huh. That's always nice. Uh, don't tell don't tell our boss. Um, and yeah, like it's nice to kind of have had a chance. Well, I've done 10 years of CES back to back. So it's been nice to kind of be mm-hmm. able to take a step back from it a little bit and kind of see the overview of it all. Yeah. It meant I could actually, you know, read about all of our best of CES finalists. It meant I could read everything you guys wrote about laptops and pretend I understood it. Um, And yeah, it's it's kind of nice. It's kind of refreshing. I feel a bit guilty because obviously you two have been on this uh, virtual stage, which just looks like one of the Overwatch levels. I'm trapped here. This is like Superman (laughs) 2. I'm just in this panel and I cannot escape. 
Yeah, it's like oh an Overwatch God. level that just didn't make the cut, isn't it? Um, I look, oh, the I'm movie looking, and okay. gaming references that I don't get. As always, thank you very much. Oh, you've seen wow, Superman sure. too. Come on, Superman. share. Amazing. Yeah, we'll add it A to long the list. time ago, I was a baby. You know, I, I think we've gained a little with the CES, right? Because we can take a step back. Uh, Shirlene, you mentioned this, you know, as we've been doing the live stage, we're kind of in the seat that most of our readers normally are and our viewers and our listeners, right? Where we're just reading these announcements coming through. Um, we do have the, you know, the benefit of talking with a lot of these companies before the show. I do think we're missing the tactile real world thing, agree, especially when yeah. we're talking about things like TVs and these new computers. Uh, I was able to get a couple for hands-ons, you know, from some companies. But beyond that, uh, I miss just strolling around the super crowded CS uh, show floor and actually seeing these things in person, even if it's only for a couple of minutes. You know, there is a tactile sense there that we're kind of losing this year. So, you know, that's just the way it is. It has to be virtual. We can't do live shows. Maybe, maybe by next year. Do you guys think you will miss CS by next year? Would you really want to be, you know, amped to do it in person next year if things were safe i i will i i hate people in general <laughs> you know i kind of tolerate you guys but uh i do <laughs> i do think that being able to see the products sometimes makes our job easier when it comes to deciding yeah. who to vote for in the best of ces uh, awards mm -hmm. when we're judging them and not being able to do that this year has made our lives just more difficult it's been a lot more challenging to be like this could potentially be good you know like it's it's we're judging on very different i think uh criteria and experiences mm -hmm. than we <laughs> did before but i would that's what i mean that's why i would be amped i would like to still avoid people maybe we could do some kind of social <laughs> distancing at ces 2022 yeah <laughs> We'll just bring a little cave for Sherlyn to hide out at CES, and she'll crawl out and go look at computers and then back into the cave. A hamster I mean, bubble. I would do that. <laughs> Sherlyn likes social distancing before it was cool anyway. Like, we're all aware oh, yeah. of that. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but I find, what I find that this, like, you know, online-only CES does is it really handicaps the medium to small companies. Like, the company's doing yeah. weird weirder interesting things like um i look at what we're about to i look at our lineup of what we're going to talk about on this podcast and it's a lot of the kind of by the number cs announcements isn't it bigger better tvs mm -hmm. faster smaller laptops um but you miss the kind of and this is what Cher and chris velasco mentioned in their opening remarks because i watched it because I'm a good coworker, and Thank you guys you. mentioned Aww. about how you've got to kind of be in the moment and kind of be able to hunt down these products and these companies. And you can't do that through a press release or mining the CES website. It's a thing yeah. where you have to kind of walk past, get your curiosity peaked, and then oh, go oh, play yes. with it. Uh -huh. yeah. And, you know, either dismiss it mm -hmm. as a terrible product or get really hyped about it. And I didn't really feel much of that this yeah. year. I think the thing I will miss most is Eureka Park, which is this yeah. little section of CES. Uh, it's in, usually in the Venetian Sands Hotel, and it's away from the main show floor, but it's all about startups and cool little things, you know, cool little innovations and gadgets from countries all over the world. And I've always appreciated that. You know, There's just a lot of ingenuity there, even if you know most of that stuff will probably never make it to the market or anything. I miss that. Hopefully, we'll get some of that back this year. Um, yeah, hopefully things will get I, safer. Let's, yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to share a quick story. I, I miss like uh, breaking down in tears as CES unveiled just because I was so <laughs> moved by the story about the Aflac duck. So <laughs> you, can, you can check that out. I think that was from two years ago, CES 2018 or so, or 2019. Yeah, but, but you're yeah. right, Devendra. It's okay. So let's move it's on. okay, Shirley. The Aflac duck <laughs> is not real. It is not no, really it's hurt. It's not really injured. <laughs> no. 
it's about it's just Gilbert Gottfried. It's just his for voice. kids with cancer. But I get it. Yes, <laughs> it's very cute. It was it was a cute thing. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the highlights we can talk about so far. And I kind of wanted to just breeze through a couple things on the PC front because I do feel like for what we cover, these are going to be the fundamental kind of the biggest changes. Um, AMD announced their new Ryzen 5000 CPUs um, for laptops, and this is a big deal. This is a big deal mm-hmm. because the Ryzen 4000 uh, CPUs, or I guess APUs as they're calling them, their systems on a chip, uh, were really transformative last year. They helped AMD really get a foothold in notebooks, and that thing powered um, some of our favorite notebooks of 2020, uh, including the uh, Zephyrus G14 from Asus. So that's really exciting. Um, NVIDIA, um, Ryzen, this new Ryzen 5000 processor from AMD, uh, they're saying the 5900HX is up to 37% faster than Intel's high-end 10980HK. That's their current highest, you know, most powerful mobile chip. So that's notable. I think AMD's has been doing just great work here, both on the desktop and the mobile front, really just gunning for Intel and taking away a lot of, I don't know, a lot of limelight from Intel. I'm thinking about upgrading my desktop right now. I have a Intel 8700K desktop chip, so that's like three years old at this point. Um, And I'm thinking of going AMD, which is something I haven't done since I built my first freaking PC with like a thunder. Wow. What was that called? Thunderbird processor in 2001. You know, that's how far back I went with AMD. Uh, Are you guys feeling any of this news? Are you excited about AMD's potential to kind of be more impactful in the notebook realm? I mean, Matt, you can tell me if you have thoughts. I just think that Ryzen, uh, Graphics cards have been so hard to get uh, lately that any kind of news in this space yeah. would be interesting for people. I just think they're suddenly so popular. They're the cool kids again. They're, they're, I mean, they're pretty cool. I think the Ryzen CPUs have been doing better than the Radeon, you know, graphics cards. And that's just because, yeah, Maybe. it's hard to get. But also, we're going to talk about this. NVIDIA has just been kind of innovating so much on yeah, the on the mobile yeah. graphics front and on graphics mm. where they, you know, they had ray tracing available a year before AMD and they did a lot of work to get partners and software and game makers involved in, you know, kind of producing hardware for that. So I do think Radeons are kind of still lagging behind, but we reviewed the latest uh, Radeon GPUs uh, in the fall. And, you know, they're a little cheaper than NVIDIA's stuff. And when it comes to just pure gameplay, they're often faster. I just think we're talking about a lot more stuff when it comes to graphics cards these days, right? So let's move on to NVIDIA. Uh, They announced that the RTX 30 series GPUs, the 3060, the 3070, and the 3080 are going to be coming to laptops. No big surprise there. That's what usually happens right after (laughs) they announce new GPUs for the desktop side. And yeah, better, faster graphics. But I think the key here is better ray tracing performance. And that's going to be important for games like Control and Cyberpunk 2077, you know, <laughs> where if you had one of the 20 series cards, especially one of the lower power 20 series cards, um, you know, you, you would probably see your performance really suffer as you started to enable real time ray tracing, which delivers that more realistic lighting and everything. So, you know, kind of an expected move from NVIDIA. I don't think we saw any real surprises from them, right? It's just more powerful GPUs. Stuff, uh, the gamers, um, you know, Matt and I, we play a lot of games. Trillin <laughs> plays a lot of Overcooked. I'm sure you have opinions too. But 
Is there anything that you're excited about on the NVIDIA front, just in terms of what this could mean for new notebooks? I mean, I like the idea that uh, alongside these these notebook, and you're probably going to touch on this afterwards, so I'm just kind of gazumping you, mm-hmm. but uh, the RTX 3060 <laughs> without the TI on the end, uh, the idea of them inventing, yep. inventing pretty much the same graphics card, but cheaper. Um, and that just means there's going to be another device that people might be able to actually buy for their PC. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's not a huge amount of difference, right, between this one and the 3060 Ti from last year. It's still Ampere. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it's. I did. I didn't look at like the exact specs, but we did see it's like a significant amount cheaper, right? So yeah, that's yeah. that's something. But the big problem, as you were mentioning, Sherlyn, the, the big problem with GPUs is that it's been hard to keep these things in stock uh, because scalpers love to buy the new hardware and resell it on eBay or wherever for a lot more. Also, production is down on both AMD and NVIDIA side due to the pandemic and everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, things just aren't moving as quickly as they could. But, mm-hmm. hey, new graphics cards are good. The new RTX 3060 for the desktop side looks uh, pretty solid. Uh, I would say, though, if you are if you have a gaming rig and you're upgrading that thing, the difference between, like, a $500 GPU, like the 3070, versus the ones are just 100 bucks or 120 bucks less – Probably that investment is worth it because it means you'll be able to use that card for an extra year or so, depending on what you're playing. I really like the 3070. That thing delivers a lot of value for the price. Um, yeah. And sure, Lynn, I know you were thinking <laughs> of uh, things on the gaming front. Are you going to be getting a gaming PC after all this? Or are you still looking at the console side of things? So I was going to first admit that I was definitely confused by names when I said Ryzen AMD earlier. I meant RTX was selling out. All the R names are confusing me on gaming cards. (laughs) You meant Radeon. RTX is the Um, other one. Yes. Radeon, Ryzen, RTX. Lots of R's. Um, Uh But uh, Uh to your question, Dev, I... You know, I'm not a build your own PC kind of person, although that's not, you know, definitely not happening in my future. I might consider that. Uh, so I'm not yeah. I'm not personally so into components, although I am going to be keeping an eye out for when they appear in consumer ready laptops. Um, obviously, these will be the very, very high end laptops. And those are really the types of laptops I cover. But Maybe I, I do play some League of Legends. People who listen to this podcast know. And then again, League of Legends doesn't require any power whatsoever, pretty it much. It requires uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so really, yeah. I don't think so. Until they get me super hooked on a game that's like really intense and like, oh, cooking in 8K. I don't know. I mean, I was going to say, they're not bringing ray tracing, are they, to overcooked anytime soon? Right. <laughs> I mean, if they brought Rachel's realistic happening. light effects. <laughs> yeah. Shalyn's so been playing a lot of Among Us by herself, apparently, and I am waiting <laughs> for that Among Us RTX upgrade, just like Minecraft. It's gonna uh, happen. You know, yeah. you gotta see you gotta see it all uh, with realistic Ooh. lighting, folks. May- yeah, maybe I can catch a glimmer of a knife blade before someone stabs me in the back because ray tracing is dead. Exactly. You know, maybe. It's helpful. It's just like just like real life. You will see the reflection of the knife that plunges into your back. <laughs> Let's move on to TVs. <laughs> we talked a bit about the new TVs we were expecting at CES last year because actually a lot of things were already announced. So Samsung talked about their stuff, uh, Sony's hardware. Uh, you know, there's more mini LED tech we're seeing across the board, across uh, many manufacturers, uh, more of a focus on 8K for larger sets and with the idea that they're going to be upscaling content because there is no 8K content at all. Um, mm-hmm. The first press conference this week, 
Uh, and usually the first at every CES was LG, which was bright and early at 8 a.m. <laughs> on Monday morning. Um, and they showed off their new TVs and, as we expected, a next generation of OLED. So that's the C1 line is going to be their mainstream OLED line. They announced something called OLED Evo that's going to be a brighter new construction of the panels for the G line. And G is kind of their gallery, uh, higher end OLED lineup and basically slightly brighter. I think uh, a lot of people have been saying for years that one slight benefit LCDs have over OLED is just pure right. brightness because they can really crank those LEDs to be super bright. Whereas OLEDs mm -hmm. are self-emitting, you know, pixel point uh, pieces mm -hmm. of technology, right? Every pixel on an OLED screen lights up or darkens uh, or turns off on its own. That's why OLEDs can achieve such a great amount of contrast. So that's a big benefit. But yeah, they don't have super powerful black lights. One new thing LG talked about is the new A1 OLED lineup, which is going to be their budget series. And I mean, it really, it just looks like they took their 2018 OLEDs and just brought them back on the market, right? Because there's no HDMI 2.1. <laughs> there's no 120 hertz supports for new consoles. So it's kind of a, it's a basic OLED. But I think for most people, it's going to be just, uh, just fine. Uh, Matt, you were excited by this. Why is that? Why am I excited by the bottom of the range OLED. The basic, <laughs> I was just yeah. yeah, I was just musing because these A1 <laughs> the A1 series is going to start at 48 inches, right? So I was just wondering if they had a mm -hmm. what would that be? A 96 inch OLED top end <laughs> one from 2018 and they just snapped it in half and then, you know, threw it to the crowds. Is yeah, that sure. what they've done here? That's how that works. Right? Yeah. That's how yeah, OLED sure. works, right? Uh, it's like chocolate bars. You just break it in half and it's still like works. chocolate bars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they announced, so the A-series, by the way, is going to go all the way up to 77 inches. Yeah, yeah. So they are, they're still aiming big, even though these aren't going to be the latest, greatest uh, panel tech. Um, that's kind of surprising. But I do think a lot of people would be down for this, right? If you're not a gamer, I have, a, I have an LG OLED from 2016, right? I have the B6 55-inch. That thing still looks amazing for movies and games, especially um, once I'm not going past 120 FPS. Not that I really need to on consoles these days. So, you know, it's been fine for me. I just question the value of it as a new TV. Matt, like, where where are you sitting? You know, because I'm sure you're probably thinking about buying a new set soon. So, yeah, I'm... For a budget uh, OLED? That's yeah? the thing. It's a bit of a challenge. I know there's an Engadget editor who's mm -hmm. planning to sell their old OLED, so that could be <laughs> a cheeky bargain, <laughs> which kind of defeats the whole point. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think the point is like OLED is just a very desirable kind of TV. You can tell the difference unless you're getting the top yeah. of the range QLED or uh, LG's kind of, you know, hyped up micro LED tech and the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Like these OLEDs, they do look amazing. They still look amazing in stores. They look amazing in my friend's houses that spend more money than me on their TVs. Um, so yeah, I currently have a like a just an LCD, 4K LCD from LG that doesn't have HDR, doesn't do any kind of high FPS magic or anything. So I am in the market for mm -hmm. it, but I'm also like probably a lot of listeners and probably a lot of you know tech addicts like ourselves. Yeah. We're also kind of just you know squirreling away our money because of the world in 2020 and 2019. Yeah, like, it doesn't feel like the right time to spend thousands of dollars on a TV for me yet. Mm -hmm. And probably better Sorry to, to have a little it. more capital. Uh, you yeah. you could do the American thing, Matt, and just Put you know just uh, pay it uh, with yeah. a zero yeah. percent APR loan over time, and just have like it whittle away your until I retire it all at once. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the way to do it. You never really feel like uh, you're just paying way too much because you're just paying a little bit of money 
every month. Um, yeah, that's always fun. Uh, back to TV news, too. We're going to be talking about some TCL stuff later on, but I want to highlight here. They announced that their new six series sets, which are usually their kind of mid-range, um, cheap, cheap TVs mm-hmm. uh, that deliver high-quality panels and a lot of new tech. All their six series TVs this year, uh, which are coming at the end of the year, are going to be 8K. And I think that it was just like a little piece of news in their press release. And that just feels like fundamentally uh, astounding, right? Because this is the first uh, TV manufacturer to kind of make this leap. So, you know, that I think that's pretty, pretty good, too. Um, anything else around TVs that you guys want to talk about? I know, Sherlyn, you're probably going to be in the market eventually to replace your <laughs> new old TV. I love how we're just trying to make Sherlyn buy everything new. Like, Sherlyn, what things yeah. from CES 2021 will you buy this year? I just look I look in her background and I see a TV that I know Sherlyn was just handed down um, that is eight <laughs> years old at this point. So You're, I <laughs> so knew Sherlyn's it. Every time we talk point. about TVs, we got to get some Devendra digs it, at my poor baby TV here. It's very dear to my heart. It's a hand-me-down. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, sure, I'll be in the market to buy one soon and I'll most likely get one of these TCL 6 series that you guys are, have been talking about. Yeah. Uh, like you, yeah. Dev, I do feel like 8K isn't worth the investment right now. I, I think similar to 5G in the early days, which we still kind of are in, there's just like not enough of a reason to justify spending any extra money, if at all, on something like that. There's no content, like you said, uh, and then relying on AI-based upscaling just seems... A little tricky. I've seen a lot of um, TVs built in, I guess, like software like that, where it's either trying to upscale uh, resolution or HDR even effects. Mm-hmm. And none of them have really looked that great uh, from my uh, experience. And and my experience is based solely on my other friends who have actual great new TV sets who've uh-huh. handed me their old TV. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I am keeping an eye out on what uh, TCL and maybe some brand like Hisense. I'm definitely in the market for something in the mid-range or more affordable like that than a, a Samsung or an LG. Um, so, yeah, thanks for educating me, Devendra, about TVs. I appreciate it. For sure. Right now, it's, if you want a good deal, you kind of go TCL. I think Vizio is still yeah. doing good work. And, you know, it's it's we're, we've kind of have an embarrassment of riches to choose from on the TV front. So, mm. I'm I'm excited about this. And also, now is a good time to make an investment because there isn't much fundamentally major new technology coming down the line, right? If you get a good TV now that has HDMI 2.1, that is 120 hertz, uh, that will actually future-proof you a bit for gaming, but also for maybe some for some future content that will take advantage of that uh, extra refresh rate. Um, there have only been a couple high refresh rate movies, but I'm thinking of things like Gemini Man and the Hobbit films. Um, I have the 4K Blu-ray for Gemini Man, which runs up to 60 hertz and looks weird. It doesn't look as good as it does uh, as it did in the theater for me when you can watch it in 120 FPS with 3D glasses and everything. But (laughs) you get some of that experience. And there is some like good YouTube 60 FPS content out there for nature stuff. It looks astounding. So I do think we're going to have more of a push for that down the line and you don't even need a 120 hertz tv for that so yeah 60 fps content i'm excited to see where this goes 4k at 60 fps is going to be beautiful trust me uh mm-hmm. let's move on to laptops guys and Sherlyn, this is really your domain <laughs> what is really exciting you this year at ces on the laptop front so i will say this every ces normally we see a new dull xps and this year, I don't believe mm-hmm. we have. And that's really been no. what's shocking to me. Uh, Dev, mm-hmm. do you want to confirm? 
There's no, yeah, there's no new XPS yeah, this year. Exactly. Uh, we handled Dell's news. Uh, they have new, um, was it Latitude computers yeah, and new yeah. Alienware models as usual because there's new NVIDIA hardware, but no XPS. And I do wonder if Dell is waiting a month or two to have an event all to itself where Maybe. it can really show off new hardware, right? Exactly. And I know how much you love the Dell XPS 13 and rightly so. That's one of the strongest ultra portables we've seen. So it was kind of mm-hmm. disappointing not to see it this year. It made my job uh, picking nominees for the best PCs category a lot tougher. But there were plenty, mm-hmm. plenty of laptops. I mean, HP, Lenovo, Acer, Asus, all these brands just kept throwing them at us, not to mention the gaming centric brands. So let's start with HP. Mm-hmm. HP had... Um, Again, a whole bunch of laptops, but the most interesting and the most the one that stood out the most to me is the HP Elite Folio. This is the business update to the Spectre Folio leather laptop that the company introduced, I think, in, if I'm not wrong, in 2018. Um, and this is what is really unique, oh, intriguing to me about this mm-hmm. and actually kind of confusing is the fact that they for their business version of this laptop, they decided to go with a Snapdragon 8CX Gen 2 chipset, which, what? I mean, is this kind of a a bold statement (laughs) about, right? I don't know. It's a very questionable decision. I don't want that. No. No, right. (laughs) Windows on ARM, we've complained about a lot on this podcast. I'm not going to go into it again, but it is still kind of an, it's a tricky operating system, especially for work. I mean, like, depending on what kind of work, I guess, if you're really mostly browser-based for your for your workflow, that should be fine. But, you know, some other things about the Elite Folio include the fact that it's a convertible that uses this um, pull-forward hinge design where instead of rotating the screen all the way backwards, you actually pull it towards you, you pop it off of the bottom half of the frame, uh-huh. and then you can even flip it and press it down, turn it into a tablet. There's a onboard a dock, I think, in the folio for a pen. Uh, so it, it, there's things obviously like 5G built in as well because let's get all, you know, mm-hmm. it's a Snapdragon chipset and let's get some buzzwords in there. And then the promise of like up to 24.5 hours of battery life is pretty impressive too. Um, I feel like they've been promising that for a while with the Snapdragon based yes. computers, right? Yes, have we Have exactly. we gotten anywhere near that with any of the last gens? We actually do get pretty good battery life on our tests. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, with the original, I haven't tested any of the Gen 2, but the 8CX does get close to like 20 hours. Uh, the original Snapdragon PCs came in also around just slightly under 20. Um, and I will say like earlier, Qualcomm's promises of battery life were around 20. And then they upped it to 22 with the 8CX. And then now we're at 24 for the 8CX Gen 2, <laughs> more or less. Um, so... We are getting very good battery life. And and also the built-in connectivity is just, for me, the huge bonus here. I just wish the software were a little bit better. And I think for, for a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't need a lot of obscure apps, you'll be fine with Windows on ARM as it stands. But let's let's see. This sure. is a very interesting choice if on these, HP's part. If these things were half the price, I feel like I'd be a lot more palatable towards yeah. it, right? If Windows on ARM machines were like... 500 bucks because you're yeah. literally getting half the PC because most of the apps you want to run will not run. Um, right. That would seem a little more doable, right? It, but it's, they're it's, pricing these as premium, norm, like near a thousand bucks, right? As a normal PC. Wow, that's a lot. I was going to say that's a lot of money, but it seems like it's completely aimed yeah. at enterprise, the people in spreadsheet mm-hmm. land and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft Word. Like, for sure, it's for a, sure. It's a weird way of pitching it, isn't it? Like, there's enough attractive, compelling features here for people that are shopping for their own laptop. But like all the major pulls and then all the caveats suggest it's really only for business people who are on the move. Again, mm-hmm. 
not yeah. a great position to be in in at the start of 2021 but here we are I th- yeah yeah and their their elite I, machines are kind of always like that but yeah. hey yes. yeah i used to do it folks the thing about it especially for corporate and education environments is you have to support software that's like 10 20 mm. years old you're mm. not going to do that on a windows on arm machine yeah, right so i think point. that for a conservative-minded IT person who's like, I don't want issues. I don't want compatibility mm. issues because that means I have to support getting new stuff working for this person or virtualizing their old uh, database app or something, right? Mm-hmm. You will not be able to do that with these machines. So, yeah, that's tough. Absolutely. I mean, admittedly, mm-hmm. I don't have the experience you have on enterprise on the enterprise side of IT. Um, but as you said and rightly pointed out, the Elite series does support sort of um, the systems admin sort of software that most companies buying laptops for their workers uh, will be, uh, you know, considering and they're the concern to see. Um, Speaking of the Elite line, by the way, another laptop that HP unveiled here at CES uh, is the Elite Dragonfly Max, uh, as well as the Elite Dragonfly Gen 2. The original Elite Dragonfly, I might be getting my dates mixed up, but the original Elite Dragonfly, I think, also launched in 2018, and then the the Spectre folio Uh might have been 2019. Um, The Dragonfly was marketed when it launched whichever year um as lighter than air which first of all not true science yeah. well, um, no, lighter than the macbook air that's what they're saying they're not going to say macbook but it's sure, lighter than I, the air maybe yeah. that's the dig yeah. they were going for uh it is certainly very sure. light it's coming yeah. in at under one kilogram about 2.2 ish pounds um, mm. and I, I really like the original Elite Dragonfly. I mean, for the, for a computer that size and weight, it was very powerful. Well, it was powerful enough. It lasted long. Um, I had some issues with the screen, but with the new generation and with the Dragonfly Max in particular, HP brought some interesting features. Uh, it's got a five megapixel webcam, which is really high for a laptop. I mean, which is so weird to think, right? Like we've been stuck on 720p webcams and i believe one of the apple machines only recently moved up to 720p or 1080p on a webcam which Mm -hmm. is just about one megapixel if you're thinking about 720p so we're now looking at five megapixels i think this is clearly because we all use our webcams a lot more nowadays um but that's not all with the dragonfly max there is there is more power there's more uh interesting features like a built-in privacy screen we've seen this on a lot of hp's uh machines already but this one's the one that goes up to a thousand nits and it's not the one that's super Mm -hmm. reflective and there's a built-in mechanical shutter for your webcam that five megapixel webcam so you don't want people to see your pores um so just just an interesting way for uh HP to say hey the dragonfly isn't this one off thing that we did for shiggles it is really <laughs> a, a line that we're looking to expand <laughs> Can so I ask a quick I question what, is, what does shiggles stand for Hmm. I wonder. Oh, sorry. I, I was about to explain yeah. it. Uh, Cher, I've got a quick question. So I'm looking at the story <laughs> yeah. you wrote about it. And the, the top image for the, the launch of these Dragonfly laptops is like, the laptop's yes. open and there's a guy just wiping it with a cloth. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me do. why, <laughs> why companies is it water- make these Is the decisions. keyboard waterproof? Or is it like an anti-back thing? Or mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, What am I, I think missing it- in this picture? <laughs> This might be uh, one of those Still things resistant. that I, I there we go. saw in you the... You did write it. Right, there is a water-resistant... Right, exactly. The the keyboard okay. is water-resistant, I believe. Uh, and also one of those things where the company has to be very aware of the environment we're in and like they try to make sure their pictures are, are very yes, yes, up-to-date. Yes. You know what I mean? It might be one mm. of those situations... Uh, I, I'm sorry I chose <laughs> that confusing picture for the lead. No, you, you do... 
no, I just scanned Reddit because I wanted to kind of, you know, be up to date. But I was like, why is the guy got this white cloth? And he's like admiringly wiping it. I did, it did not, I did not understand it, but I'm a very You have to wipe it down before every use. That's, that's don't like, you every time. Me wipe. <laughs> I do that. Um, moving away from HP, though, I think they're, again, another company that honestly, I felt like I was punched in the face several times by this company because just of the <laughs> bombarding of news from them was Lenovo. Okay, like I love Lenovo. I love I love their, their quirkiness. Yeah. I love some of their laptops. It's a lot of news. Um, a lot of things. And this year, though, the company actually was one of the more surprising uh, companies for me because it announced the... Uh, La Vie Mini in partnership with this uh, other company, NEC, uh, a Japanese-based NEC. And uh, the La Vie Mini is just this 8-inch, kind of retro-looking 8-inch convertible laptop, very netbook-ish, but a little squarer. And uh, it's convertible, but then when you flip it all the way around, you can slide this adapter type of thing to it to turn it into a giant switch and it's caught the attention of a lot of our audience as well i know that one of our regulars mark dell is really taken with it um it's just so i i chris velasco and i send him the press release ahead of time was like i want to write this thing up i was like okay you can have at it um because he was so interested he volunteered to write about it um and we've also spoken with lenovo's uh um executives to talk about the, the thought process behind this and apparently because in Japan, everything is miniaturized, and that's why they went with the eight yep. inch size for this. Um, Matt, you have some experience with Japan. <laughs> do you want to tell us if that's true? And, and what do you think of the La Vie Mini? Well, I do remember when I was living there both times that um, do you remember so- when Sony owned Vio? They had this very like slimline, yes. almost looked like a purse kind so of cute. brightly colored. Yeah, cute, adorable yeah. mini Windows PC back way back then. So yeah, there is definitely much yeah. market for it. And you see these very small laptops and netbooks still appearing, like quite mm-hmm. old bedraggled models, to be honest. Um, but having said all that, like I don't why don't get why everyone is believing the hype on this thing. You're not gonna be able to <laughs> get it. It looks torturous, like the weird switch controller yeah. thing does not look worth the time of day. Um I think yeah, I think everyone needs to just have another drink of coffee and behave themselves. Take a um, take a chill. Yeah, take a big old. We we kind of have to take a step back too because there's a lot of things going on here. And the thing I've noticed with Lenovo machines uh, most recently too is like questionable build quality. A lot of like things that make me really worried about like how durable these things are, especially Mm -hmm. for a machine like this. It's going to be you're going to be moving around that screen. You're going to be slapping on these game these game controller things. Um, I question how long it'll actually survive. This thing looks like. the rebirth of the T-Mobile sidekick, basically. So it is, <laughs> wow. it's like a weird form factor. And I think just just so we're also like just beaten down by tons of laptops that look the same. So anything that's vaguely different, we're like, huh, Maybe. that's interesting. Yeah, um, the, that, that's all very hard. I want to feel it. I can't yeah. judge it until I feel it. Last year at CES, we saw some crazy, yeah. we saw like a PC that had gaming controllers on the side. Mm-hmm. It was like, it had like a, I think it was an eight-inch screen too. It was like an enormous controller mm-hmm. that looked like a horrific Frankenstein monster <laughs> of a device, and uh, it was a concept. It'll probably never be you know released, but 
is kind of cool to see these companies experimenting at the at yeah. the very least. Uh, Sherlyn, do we know if this the Levy Mini is it going to hit the U.S. at all, or is this like a Japan yeah. only thing so far? It, it, it so far does seem like a Japan thing. I'm not sure if the interest that this thing has garnered uh, since CES, uh, maybe it'll come to the, the U.S. I definitely have mm-hmm. to ping Lenovo about that, and I'll update you guys about it. I do agree with you, Dev, on the fact that Lenovo does have some troubling build quality issues that we've noticed over the last few years. We've uh, seen a lot of product forums, com- people in forums complaining about it. But I, I think the partnership with NEC might make yeah, it a bit yeah. different on this. I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely take this all with a lot of like cautious optimism, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And honestly, now, if I was going to get excited about a Lenovo laptop this year, I would get excited about the ThinkPad X1 exactly. Titanium Yoga Great Holy name, crap. but also wow, it's all the names. Beautiful, super thin, uh, you know, convertible PC from Lenovo. Uh, it's part of the uh, you know the X line, so it's going to be thinner and lighter mm-hmm. than the normal ThinkPads. But this thing, it's a convertible. They're saying it mm-hmm. is eleven millimeters thick, um, mm-hmm. and I believe it's eleven millimeters thick when it's like closed because mm-hmm. when they open it up, it looks really, really thin. Yeah. And the whole yeah. titanium thing helps it have a strong case plus um, you know decent lightweight too. Uh, yeah. Have you? Wait, what do you think about this, Sherlyn? Like as a so, product? yeah. So I'm pretty familiar with the ThinkPad X1 line just because I've covered them every CES. And uh, yeah, the claim here that Lenovo is making is that this is the thinnest ThinkPad, ThinkPad X1 I think ever. Uh, titanium uh-huh. is certainly a good material for them to pick because in the past the company has been focusing on weight, right? And so they went with carbon fiber. And indeed, the past like the last few generations of X1 carbons have been so light. That's not to say that there is mm-hmm. no more carbon uh, versions of the ThinkPad X1 line. There are some updates to the ThinkPad X1 carbons as, as well this year. Um, but I think for Lenovo to be chasing a bit more of a maybe modern look, maybe just trying to update its its uh, device's appearance a little bit is good. The ThinkPad line like looks a little, it's recognizable and some might even call it iconic. Yeah. But it is getting a little stale. So I'm, I'm glad to see Lenovo trying to update things here. But once again, I have to caution that with recent ThinkPads, I've noticed certain issues with build quality, with like longevity. After a year, they tend to get a little finicky. So I want to just acknowledge this because I don't like I think our viewers deserve to know that this is a problem we keep hearing about. When we when we think of like PC makers and durability and everything, like they're the ones I really like. And the ones I like so far yeah. in the US at least are companies like Dell, you know, which mm-hmm. they typically build reliable hardware. I've had some issues with with review units, but those are usually mm-hmm. earlier things. But the thing about it is if you have if you need support or if you need help, um, Dell is at least good about, you know, helping mm. you uh, get your devices fixed. And that's a good thing about Apple, too. Like, let's let's be honest, right? The ability to walk into an Apple store, if you're under warranty, mm. get something fixed almost immediately. And if you're not under warranty, like, it's usually not that much. And it's a good, like, professional job they typically do. So think about support as you guys yeah. um, invest in new hardware, because I think that's an important thing. Uh, I look on Amazon, I see a ton of like super cheap PCs, you know, from no-name <laughs> brands. Walmart sells a ton of these too. <laughs> Buyer beware, because you're going to save some money here and then have a lot more headaches down the line. So yeah. just consider, consider Devindra, that. or share, one of you's got to pick up one of those Walmart laptops and give it the full review, I feel. I feel it's... Do a, not yeah, make I my mean, life it's, difficult. Why? What are you trying to do? Yeah. I, d- I feel like I should just it's, give you both uh, more work. So I really feel you should review these. <laughs> I should just do I hate more you. work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, let's play hate on Matt Smith, please. I want to talk about something real quick. Because we have, um, as usual, there's more gaming laptops at CES. We got that NVIDIA hardware. We have more AMD hardware coming out, especially those Ryzen chips. And one thing that kind of stood out for me is the Asus ROG, and that's Republic of Gamer, their gaming line, the Flow X13 Ultra Portable. So, so cute. This thing is wild, right? <laughs> it is, um, it's really cute. It's a 13-inch Ultra Portable gaming notebook uh it is 2.9 pounds which is about the same as the xps 13 it has um the ryzen the new ryzen 5000 chips in there i believe and also um gtx nvidia gtx 1650 graphics so not the greatest but that's just what it's built in with um it has a wide variety of ports and everything the kicker though is that this machine has a proprietary uh connection that plugs into Mm. an external gpu which is kind of wild. And they're saying it like it gets you, I believe, 68 gigabits per second, um, you know, over that connection, which is more than Thunderbolt 4 or Thunderbolt 3. Um, and that external GPU can be like anything that they're selling. It could be an NVIDIA RTX 30,000, you know, a beefier, more powerful uh, bit of hardware that can end up making your gameplay just feel a lot faster. So this thing is cool. I, I think it's very cute. Um They're basically, I feel like Asus is going a step further than they did last year with the, uh, with the Zephyrus G14, because this is even smaller, also based on AMD hardware. But I feel like that machine was more, it was kind of a more approachable thing, right? Because you could get that equipped with the RTX 2060, actually do decent gameplay without attaching this whole other thing to it. Once you bring in external GPUs into the equation, I feel like it hurts portability it hurts yeah. a lot of things too. That's another piece of hardware that could potentially break. That cable, it looks like um, I saw them demoing it over a video conference. The cable itself looks super thick. It looks like they basically <laughs> glued together, uh, you know, a SATA connection and a whole bunch of different hardware. It's not as streamlined as like a single USB-C connection. If that cable breaks, you're screwed. You got to go back to Aces. Um, if anything happens, the actual port on the side of the computer it looks like a large, again, like a large SATA connection. Untested port, unproven port on a really thin, light machine. If that, if a pin bends in that, what does that mean mm-hmm. for your future performance? Who knows? Um, so I, I think like there are a lot of caveats here, but as an idea, you know, it's cool. Uh, we've seen external GPUs uh, being sold over the past couple of years, and especially with Thunderbolt equipped machines, it is a nice way to get better performance into an ultra portable. But I do feel like a lot of people are better off served. Uh, getting a cheap external GPU case or something, get a GPU when you can. Use that as a device um, that you can move between multiple computers because I know people who in their home may have something like a MacBook um, Pro uh, or a Dell XPS 13. And if you had a single GPU they could just move around to different people's computers, that's pretty useful as well. So a couple issues here. I I think as a creation it's really cool. Uh, yeah, Matt Sherlin, any thoughts on this weird thing? I like that we're at the stage of CES where the thing that stands out about a laptop is one of its ports. So that's what <laughs> that's what my main takeaway is: is that like here we are well, at CES, it is a two point nine pound gaming PC. The big that is <laughs> that is astounding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, lap, it's hard to innovate in laptops. Uh, I, I totally yeah. get that. And uh, I had a whole panel with HP and Lenovo about that, that you can watch on Engadget's uh, YouTube channel or Engadget.com. Um, and yeah, I, I, the, if this is the way Asus sees itself innovating, in addition to some of those dual screen laptops they've been making, right, right. 
I, I'm here for it. Just that, like you said, it's untested, unproven. <laughs> there is bound to be some issues uh, in the first gen sorts of models. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, they, they did show up the new Zenbook Duo uh, as well. And also the Zephyrus, the Zephyrus Duo Special Edition. So we're seeing the Duo screens, I think, are really interesting from Aces. Last year, they showed off the ScreenPad, um, or actually, no, the ScreenPad Plus, which is a wide, thin screen that's right underneath the main display. This year, both the gaming one, the Zephyrus Duo, and the Zenbook Duo, you know, they have a tilting screen that kind of, that second screen kind of tilts up and almost connects directly with the main screen, which really makes touchscreen support and dragging absence of cross both pretty good. Um, those machines look powerful, and those second screens, you could use them for anything. Some games may actually support it, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, panels or something, or you could put your hardware monitoring there. You could just put a YouTube channel there, or if you want a game while you're at work and keep an eye on your Slack channels at the bottom, <laughs> uh, you could do that too. Not that anybody would ever sure. do that. Sure, sure, Devendra, sure. Right? sure. Right? Never, mm-hmm. never going to happen. Uh, but that's Asus. Um, I don't, th- you know, we didn't really see too many other notable gaming PCs. We have new stuff from Razer. We have new stuff from Alienware. I think a couple other companies haven't yet announced their new hardware. Um, One interesting thing that I haven't really touched on yet is um, Intel's new H-series chips, which are going to be in some gaming PCs as well. And they're positioning these things as ultra-portable gaming chips. And they've Mm -hmm. never really done that with the H-series before. Normally, the H-series chips are just like, hey, this is a big, beefy chip. This is going to be in a thicker more you know more demanding laptop that can do serious work now they have this first batch of h series processors are going to be topping out at quad cores uh which is very low compared to what amd is doing these days but they're saying the single threaded performance which is what matters more for a lot of games is as high as like last year's uh more powerful higher end uh, h series chip so we're going to see a couple machines uh, coming soon from that. And, you know, it remains to be seen, like, how effective that's going to be. I also wonder if a lot of people are just going to wait for the full-powered 8-core H-series chips, which are going to be coming in a couple months to gaming laptops, too. So it's an interesting new category. Intel's trying to pretend as if uh, ultra-portable <laughs> gaming PCs are a new thing. Except, no, not really. AMD actually kind of did that last year with the yeah. with the Ryzen 4000. And that's why I love the Zephyrus G14 so much. That thing was three and a half pounds, had RTX 2060, had a really fast CPU. The only thing it didn't have was a webcam, which was kind of unfortunate as we entered the timing, pandemic Timing, yeah, but timing is everything. Timing. Ouch. Yeah, so maybe that'll get fixed down the line. There is a new G14. There's a new G15 now, uh, which is 15 inches and looks a lot like the G14 did. So, you know, Asus is still trucking along. They're doing their thing. But I think as far as any company goes, they're doing the best job when it comes to dual screen support. Um, Hopefully we'll see more companies kind of explore this. What are your thoughts on dual screens at this point, Sherlyn and Matt? I'll start. Um, I think dual screens the way that Aces has used it might be the best way I've seen it so far. And I think Devendra, you agree with me there. Um, mm-hmm. the, yes, you get less space for a keyboard and trackpad if, if you know, you use the configuration that Aces does with you know, that top half of the lower deck kind of devoted to screen space. Yeah. But that is so much yeah. more useful than, than trying to figure out how to make the software work across like two entirely <laughs> covered in screen halves. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just, you still get a real keyboard at the very least and a trackpad, even though it's not always where you expect it would be. So, so far, that's what I'm thinking is the best configuration. How about you, Matt? 
I disagree with both of you. I think it's a waste of battery, <laughs> a waste of cost for your PC. I feel like mm-hmm. you're better served with another screen. I mean, I'd normally always just use oh, yeah, my laptop yeah. as my laptop. Yes, I don't even have a second screen. Mm-hmm. I kind of am a bit rogue as an Engadget editor for just only working from one machine, whatever I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't understand why you'd pay a fair whack more money and have less battery life and just, yeah... I love my trackpad. Like, don't reduce my trackpad. Make it bigger. Like, I would have a laptop where the entire bottom part was like a toddler's trackpad. Like, that's what I want. I just want all the trackpad I can have at my fingertips. And like this, I mean, it looks really cool and impressive at the first, you know, at first blush. But I can't see me ever really, it seems so... But at least, Matt, this is better than, like, other forms of dual screen devices we've seen, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the best application of a poor idea. (laughs) (laughs) What a hater. Hater Smith. I feel like someone has to punctuate the air. (laughs) I agree. It's not for everybody. You know, here's the thing. Like, if you're, if you just buy the laptop you want, um, if you have some desk space at home, buy a cheap little monitor and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that will serve you much better than a lot of these things. But I, I give Asus credit for at least doing something to kind of get us there. Cause I, I do think we're going to see some instance eventually where this sort of uh, combination of screens could actually be game changing for a lot of people. But yeah, we you have a lot of variety now. I think that's what I really love about the PC market. We've got super thin PCs that are getting uh, very powerful. Apple just really changed the game with the M1 chip, right? Because the freaking MacBook Air is clocking and benching faster than any other PC, you know, most PCs we've seen so far. So I think the industry is really interesting. It is, um, you know, there's just a lot happening. There's more competition between Intel, AMD, and now Apple's into the fray. So competition is good. It should mean better machines for everybody else. Any thoughts, guys? Competition's good. I agree with that. Yes, competition is good. Anything else you want to highlight? Because uh, I know, Sher- well, Sherlyn, you want to talk about TCL products because you love TCL so much. <laughs> I don't love TCL so much. You Come on. Uh, <laughs> I will say I, I am usually uh, taken with companies that do stuff that's not the typical iterative upgrade. And that's what TCL managed to do this year was uh, bring technology that it announced uh, earlier in 2020, actually, uh, called mm-hmm. Next Paper. I think that's the thing that so far stood out to me. Next Paper is uh, display technology that creates sort of a paper-like experience, sort of like e-ink, mm-hmm. but it is uh, based on LCD. And it's there's no LCD. backlighting. Yeah, yeah. Say that, uh, yes, and and there's no backlighting at all. What mm-hmm. it does is try to reflect light into your eyes and and help you you know see things on your screen better. So yes, you might not be able to read it as well in dark situations, like you know you're in a plane again and they dim all the lights. But <laughs> TCL mm-hmm. includes a reading lamp in the box, so I guess that makes up for it. <laughs> so um, weird, such a weird. <laughs> this is yeah. It's like a. So it's like weird. they should right. They were like here. Here's a Did lamp they- we know you're gonna need. Um, this might be a bit so too much of an old reference like, for you, Cher, but do, like when Game Boys came out, they didn't come with any backlighting. So you would get right. some kind of chintzy arm that you just like articulate over the screen. And that's, oh, oh my God. Yes. It just seems embarrassing. I know. I know. I think that's the same chintzy arm we're talking, but I'm not sure. I do remember <laughs> Game Boys. I have one. I love my original Game Boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so, you know, but the technology to me is what stood out, right? Like, I haven't been interested in an Android tablet since a long time at CES anyway. And uh, this was nice to see. I think 
the the thing uh, the other thing that stood out to me is that because this is LCD based technology, not e ink, it is capable of playing videos or animations uh, at up to thirty frames per second, which is something that e ink struggles with. Refresh rate isn't a great thing um mm-hmm. and the company can't commit to this but says it's possible to go up to like 60 frames per second which is even better um basically this is a full android tablet right you, you like everything sure, you sure. expect to work will work the way it does except the screen will look a little more paper-like and might be a little dim uh when you're in a dark environment so that was mm-hmm. cool but the, um yeah go ahead they're saying none of, none of the blue light issues you would kind of get True. with a lot of other screens right because there's exactly. no backlight so it is a and tablet you reduce could flicker, and actually by use the way. before bed and it wouldn't like harm your sleep. That's kind of nice. Right, exactly. And then with a the little lamp, you know, if you want to read in bed and yeah. you sleep with a partner, you can read without bothering the person next to you, um, which is nice. And the, like like to your point too, the eye safety issues here, no blue light and also like no flicker. According to the company, I haven't seen mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I, have, I saw it over a Zoom call, which is how we're taking all these hands-on <laughs> type things now. Um, and it's hard for me to tell over Zoom right what like whether or not it's actually good for your eyes so we'll see when we finally get to check this out in person hopefully but this does seem like an intriguing product the rest of tcl stuff Mm -hmm. um they you know they had the tcl 20 series phones these are good like mid-rangey uh afford more affordable phones than the flagships and pack plenty of great specs and then also a wearable display that the company's been working on for years and we've seen prototypes off for years uh i don't want to go too much into that it's just a nice uh, lightweight heads-up display uh that's an extendable mm-hmm. screen for your phone or your laptop um, but do check out the articles we've written on Engadget.com to, to get all of the details there. I just wanted to like make sure our audience knows what's up because this is some of the other news at CES that we don't usually get to go into. Can I extend for this sure, TCL sure. section a little bit more? Is that allowed? Yeah, go, go for, for it. it. I, arguably, I would like to unfurl it like a scroll, just like uh, the 17-inch <laughs> Thank you for ass. bringing that up. I I loved it. Like, I really think TCL had a really good CES show. They had so much, like, weird, interesting things across all the different, you know, domains that we cover at CES. So what I'm talking about is TCL have been kind of, they love to make prototypes, don't they, Cher? You've done to several of these briefings where they just kind of throw a load of prototypes on a table and say, look at all of what we've done this year. And this year, like, they've been teasing two different... um, like roll-up foldable screen technologies. One's a phone which kind of extends, kind of like the LG uh, rollable phone that we also have written about this Mm. week. And that's fine, like, cool, another company is doing this. And TCL has kind of been working on this (laughs) tech for a year or two. But what I loved in Mm -hmm. that, it was insane, and the promotional video looks (laughs) terrible, is this 17-inch tablet that kind of comes as a scroll, and you kind of grab it. It's it's so Naruto, it just is amazing. And you, like, unfurl (laughs) it like this. And it goes into like some janky map or your Skype call or, oh my God, I love it. I love it and hate it. I, uh, I just, yeah, my favorite thing. My favorite that's what thing I, That's I what I love about TCL is that like they know exactly how to grab our attention, right? They're like, okay, we're just going to, if we're just going to do the phones, no one's going to care about us. So let's do something weird as well. Let's like, get all these journalists excited about these wacky concepts that may not make it to market, um, but... To the company's credit, this year it did commit to saying that one of our, in a vague way still, but they were like, one of our concepts will make it to market this year. I can't say which one, but if one of them what? will. Like, that's kind of... <laughs> They're just going to spin what a we wheel, were told, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I'm just watching, if you're watching the YouTube stream, we've got the TCL promotional thing, and it's two astronauts 
Not even in space <laughs> with a phone that extends two inches as if two more inches of That's screen is going to help them do their... Yeah, yeah. it's going to save the mission. I love it. Oh, yeah. In it's space, it's fighting um, against no gravity. Um, I, will, I, I, I will say, yeah, the, the TCL has done a lot of concepts. We've seen the trifold. We've seen this rollable, yeah, um, yeah. the 17-inch scroll thing that we just saw at CES 2021. We've also seen them trying to do waterfall displays where there's just the screen curves around um, both edges of the phones. Um, TCL is just trying to make it clear to the consumer that, hey, we're a display maker too. We're kind of like Samsung. You should try to check us out. We should stop being relegated to these, you know, second tier sorts of conversations. And if anything, these sorts of concepts will get the company the attention it's looking yeah. for. But I think more importantly, mm-hmm. it needs to deliver a good product that people really want to use and, and really feel like is good. So we'll but that's see. What they're yeah. achie- that's what they're achieving in TVs already. So now, like Samsung that's decades true. ago, remember when Samsung didn't used to be a premium technology brand? Like, I do remember. Yeah, and I don't. They got they well, yeah, they got themselves there. That, you know, with a lot of hard work and a lot of great products. Yeah. And TCL, I believe, is definitely moving in the right direction. You know what's funny yeah. is like up until a couple of years ago, Samsung didn't even have full array backlighting on its yeah. LCD TVs, which is like the thing. It's the thing you need. And then Vizio <laughs> was doing it and other companies were doing it and Samsung wasn't. And then they, yeah, they eventually got there. TCL has been doing a great job in terms of delivering value, like cheap TVs that are big, look good. Yeah. Uh, they're all Roku TVs too. Like they made a partnership with Roku early on to, to basically produce Roku sets. And, you know, in terms of an all-in-one thing, you just turn it on and you have all the apps you need. You have all the streaming software you need. I think they're just doing it better than most other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else around TCL that you want to talk about, Trillin? No, I think we're good. I, I would rather talk about some of the other stuff that we, we saw at CES, too. The weird uh, stuff? Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's <laughs> get to the weird because, first of all, Matt, usually at every CES, I see you as a person who does a lot of legwork to cover a lot of the stuff that I might not get to see because I focus a lot on the, the big name, big ticket items. Matt, you do mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, you saying, well, I look at, I look out. at the cheap, I look at the cheap, ugly stuff. Is that no, what no, I'm saying you pay attention to everything. I'm trying to be nice here. Dang. <laughs> okay, okay. Keep going. Um, but what, what has stood out to you uh, so far for CS 2021? I, I was surprised at the kind of things that I would be really dismissive of if I saw them in real life, mm-hmm. the kind of things that grabbed me this year. Mm. Um, like, mm. so weird thing number one for me is that weird old gerbil robot i can't remember the name off the top of my head Um, vanguard moflin i was going to talk about that so the moflin is it's a tribble with a different name come on let's not beat around the bush (laughs) i think james true who wrote it up willfully did not use the word tribble because he just has issues um but yeah it's like this wobbly squiggly furry little ai robot companion that kind of learns from your behavior. It kind of has an emotional capacity to kind of, you know, move between modes. It can be relaxed. It can be Aww. high tension. It can be, I don't know, mm-hmm. ch- chill, I'd Aww. hope. And the, the best thing is it when it charges, it goes into this little like <laughs> eggshell nap basket to charge. Yeah. And that's, that's really quite adorable. And I don't know, maybe like a whole year of just living on my own in lockdown just makes me, has softened yeah. me a bit. So I can kind of see I the appeal. I think you need a pet, Matt. Do you need a cat? I think I need a friend. <laughs> I think I just need a friend. Just yeah. anything. I'm just some, friend, someone I to think. interact with. I'd like my local cafe barista is my new best friend now. And it's just really sad. <laughs> so like a robot Tribble would be a step up, I think. I I, I want this the is, Tribble. Uh, it's so cute. It's very much it Affleck is... Duck vibes, right, Sherlyn? This is why you I... like the Affleck Duck. 
<laughs> exactly right i like these animatronic robots i personally would I, I i like things to be clean and pets aren't the best for that so a robot pet i thought for the longest time of getting a robot dog for myself but i just can't bring myself to do it because it wasn't cuddly <laughs> enough and this thing looks cute as heck like you can stroke it it looks like i mean again these are these are based on mm -hmm. videos that we're looking at we haven't seen this thing in person but I mean, I think some of the benefits that they're talking about, right? Don't just make a cute robot for the sake of making a cute robot, right? This is, this is meant to calm people who have uh, anxiety issues and stuff like that. Uh, it could be super useful for people like that. I'm not sure. I do have high anxiety and I do succumb to a lot of stress all the time. So I'd love to kind of see uh, this thing in action. I, I definitely want one. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was other Looks weird cute. stuff. Although, I think one thing I want to say about the, the hamster, <laughs> by the way, is just like, yeah. didn't we learn our lesson from the triple, right? Like, that didn't end well for anybody. Yeah, I don't think this one propagates, though, you know? I don't think this it's one... It's called the triple with triple for a reason. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's oh, let's yeah. move on, because I, I think some of the craziest things I saw uh, were these content products from Razer, right? And... They have a smart mask, which they're calling, <laughs> um, this one is Project Hazel, and yep. it looks like a Mortal Kombat <clears throat> cyborg ninja <laughs> mask, basically, and it's cool. It's actually, and it seems like vaguely real because they showed me a prototype over Zoom, and it is an active air filtration mask with like uh, <laughs> N95 quality air filtration of course it has RGB lights because it's, it's freaking <laughs> Razer. It also has like They've done things to like take care of like a lot of the mask problems we have. So there is a microphone inside and they say <laughs> it will modulate to reproduce your non-bask voice with speakers on the outside, um, which is kind of that's pretty wild to me. That is that is very much Mortal Kombat stuff. Uh, they say it's going to form an airtight seal because you can see there's sort of like silicon around the um you know, around the face parts and there are adjustable mm -hmm. straps and whatnot too. Uh, and because of that, probably good for people without glass or with glasses, because for me, glasses mm. fogging is just the perpetual issue wearing a mask outside during the winter. It's not fun. Um, this really does seem like the thing where I think a lot of people would buy a high quality smart mask, you know, like this thing, um, you can also track, uh, the battery life and whatnot, uh, with an app on your phone. I almost wonder if it'll tell you like air quality too. Uh, this is also basic. I, I don't know like how far along they are to making a lot of this real, but this thing, it looks cool. It looks safe and is more environmentally friendly than like using reusable mask. Uh, it also has a battery case that will clean the mask with uv light so they've kind of thought about everything i could see myself spending a hundred bucks i would not hang out with that you would... if you were wearing yeah. <laughs> i mean this is why you don't have friends matt i don't, I don't know like you just gotta this is why my only friend is a triple <laughs> yes exactly uh but it is i would also feel better if i saw people around me wearing you know powerful active face masks sure, and not yeah. just like the hospital mask that's tucked under their nose for some reason yeah. um I, I, it could be a good product if they actually deliver on this. Um, again, I saw the prototype, so people are wearing it. They are testing it. Uh, it is vaguely real. And yeah, what do you guys feel about active masks, smart masks? Because I do think like it's not just during the <laughs> pandemic. I think it's going to be a good thing during flu season. The flu still kills a lot of people. Um, it takes away weeks of your life when you're just trying to get over the flu because the shot isn't super effective too. So 
I I would be masking up during winter moving forward, uh, you know, indefinitely. It's definitely uh, normalized. Smart it. masks or active masks? Yeah, like all like all mask behavior now has been normalized, which is nice. Um, I'd love mm-hmm. to get some kind of active yeah. thing for air travel or times when I'm in enclosed mm-hmm. spaces. I mean, yeah, like. I hate being the cliche, the Mac cliche and saying I've lived in Japan before. But yes, when I lived in Japan, I wore a lot of masks <laughs> because it's just the norm there. And so it's kind of nice to yeah. see it everywhere. Um, I'd imagine with this Razer one that it'll, it like, I'm sure they'll make some kind of smart mask with like a fraction of the capabilities here. I think they'll just pluck the yeah. kind of smart, cheap, easy to make features and kind of barrel that into a mask. Um, and that could work. I... Uh, I, I, for me, it's interesting because as the wearables person on Engadget, masks have become part of my beat. It is really interesting yeah, yeah. to see. And uh, the trend is that, like, we, we've seen them since the start of the pandemic, too, right? Like, LG released this air purifying mask, which looked bulky <laughs> as heck as well. And then we've also got Mask Phone, which is where this company tried to embed headphones into a mask, which yes. really just did not work out well. No. Uh, there are a lot of other similar products in the works where they'll have sensors to tell you about your body temperature, what's your oxygen rate in your breath, um, that sort of thing. A lot of stuff is in the works. I'm interested to see that come out. And uh, I would actually, like you, Devendra, get the razor mask if it didn't look that monstrous. I don't want to look <laughs> like so into I feel you like it looks like intimidating. I'm sure, I'm sure they have a white color. And also oh, the uh, the mouth part is like clear. So you can see lip movements and stuff too, which is good yeah. for, you know, but deaf those, users as well. Those so, yeah. clear masks, they get all fogged up and grossed up with your spittle That's and true. Your breath. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you have air, like it is moving air, right? So it uh, can't true. get fogged up because it's bringing in fresh air. What about exiting, hopefully uh, exhausting CO2? Mm-hmm. God, how much, how much did Razor send you this year, Dev, to kind of push this? <laughs> <laughs> well, not much because we can talk not about much. their other concept. Which I absolutely yes. hate. It is oh, please go because on. it is the Project Brooklyn gaming chair. Um, it comes on the heels of their last gaming chair in the fall, but this is a concept where they basically made a gaming chair that has a sixty-inch OLED screen that sits in like the back of the chair, and you hit a button, and they the the like screen comes out in arms and unfolds like the TCL roll <laughs> like an anime mech shield in front of you. every arm has like um, these expandable trays that can become a table for PC gaming this thing is hilarious because they just went so far into concept land where it's like this is never going to happen what are you guys oh what are you even doing here uh, you look at the concepts of like how this thing is supposed to open up uh, it just looks hilarious um i'm all for razor exploring chairs um i think companies delivering high quality gaming chairs and office chairs that's a good thing for everybody but yeah i don't think they're going to learn anything from this concept i don't think anybody's going to want the built-in screen um that is that screen alone is going to cost 10 15 000, you know so not sure who's going to be buying this thing but having a good gaming table with maybe i like the expandable uh, armrest ideas because maybe you want to play some pc games on your tv in the living room or something or just like want a better setup for when you're sitting at your desk that that's pretty useful that's pretty expandable uh, this thing also has uh, haptic support so as you're as you're gaming you'll you'll feel it in your in your spine and your back like a 40x <laughs> theater or something nice this is pure razor it's pure Razor bonkersness. Um, this is their trend, by the way. Like almost every year, Razor will have a concept that it had no way in hell of actually being released. But they're like, yeah, we'll 
learn from it somehow. Uh, they had that modular <laughs> desktop PC that looked yep. kind of cool, could never actually be produced. Uh, they had the three-screened laptop that I believe was stolen during one CES. <laughs> so that was that was like the big story about that. Uh, this is them just like swinging for the fences with a super high concept chair. Uh, let me just ask you guys: like, if this chair were real and you had all the money in the world, would you would you want it? Kinda. Mm. I, I <laughs> okay. If I had all the money in the world, if I have all the room and the space in the world, yeah. kind of, why? I guess why not? I mean, like this again, is supposed to be compact. Like the, this is their way of yeah. saying, hey, you can have a compact, full screen exactly. theater experience in a one bedroom. You know. But isn't that yeah, even exactly. weirder? Just lean back on this chair. But isn't it even weirder then? So you just have this very weird high tech chair alone in the corner and this, people be like what's that for and this, it's like, oh wait let me let me get the oled screens out of the back one sec oh wait i need to plug it in wait wait okay oh it's jammed a bit wait, oh, um okay this is the ultimate uh-huh. i'm going to ignore you you're sleeping on the couch today chair right because exactly. like no exactly. friends no whatsoever you live with no one this is such a solo experience this is i don't need a couch because i'm never going to have people over in my whole life kind of a chair i mean maybe not right I, I'm, I'm taking this to the extreme here but this is such a solo experience type of chair it seems like uh, <laughs> you're just going to block out the world i mean given that we've talked about yeah, my kind of. life at the moment you're kind of really i'm feeling very much seen and being abused by yes. a chair right now for my lifestyle choices. Yes, taking just considering your needs, Matt. Um, but don't forget, by the way, Razer was also the company that made the Pringles Hunger Hammer, which is a headset, a gaming headset. Don't forget. With the yeah. feeder on the side that will feed you with this motorized arm, just deliver chips right to your mouth. This was in late 2019. We checked out the Pringles Hunger Hammer, and I'm pretty sure we all caught some kind of sickness from each other from testing But that was real. That was a real product, you know? Not something they would sell, that, but it yeah. existed. Yeah. I don't know how many they sold or if they even sold actual units no. of those, but we did test that out. And yeah, Razer just is happy to make those concepts. To be fair, though, I don't think I mean, Razer was yeah. responsible for that product. It might have been Pringles just modifying a yeah. Razer headset for it. The Razer but, brand and everything. Yeah, I do think, um, exactly. hey, it's good for companies to experiment and create all sorts of weird things. Um, I do appreciate Razer for that, but... Man, yeah, I, I, I don't know what they're doing here. I think there's a difference between a concept that you can see that they've actually yeah. built and you can feel and touch. And they're like, yeah, I can wear this mask versus something you only see in renders. And yeah, pro tip for every tech company out there. If you're showing me something that's only renders, I don't think this exists. I think this thing yep. is a unicorn, right? Show me you can build it. Show me this tech is actually proven. And then maybe we'll take it seriously. Um, any weird gadgets you guys want to bring up? Don't mind if I do. Um, I, I this just this morning we saw from Engadget Chinese is <laughs> a laptop called the Avita Admirer Two. Um, the the article mostly is in Chinese right now, but we will have an English version up on the Engadget.com site very soon. This is basically a a typical laptop, but. The bezels around the display have been turned into lights. So this is like a ring light mm. for, with for the webcam above your screen. And I hecking love it. I <laughs> love the heck out of it. I like I hecking love it. <laughs> I hecking love it because there's companies that have been trying to create software that will turn your screen display's brightness up to become like this sort yeah. of front-facing flash for you on yeah. these calls. Yeah. But nothing beats a ring light, you know what I mean? Like, this feels like it's <laughs> oh. purpose-built for Zoom calls or for people who are trying to... I think real to- lighting 
build beats of course, a ring light, of course, right? Like as you course. as you probably have in your apartment right now for your stage setup at CES, Trillin, you probably have like a nice studio light in a corner somewhere. I have one like bouncing off my ceiling to kind of distribute light around this room. So ring lights are great. Um there are other ways you could go about it. If you guys check Amazon, there are LED studio lights that you could mount to your table or get in a cheap tripod or something that look pretty good, right? Yes. Yes, but this is built mm-hmm. in. And for me, like I, again, have to harp on the fact that yeah. I have no space in my apartment. Um, and I do have a ring light, right? And I have to bring it out every time I'm doing any shoes right. at night. Right. Um, and it's a lot. This thing, though, depend- I haven't seen it in person. It might be complete crap. It's <laughs> also totally possible. But just the concept, the idea of embedding mm-hmm. lights into the bezel around the screen to turn it into a ring light, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's, and it's also kind of gone to town with that as well. Like alongside that weird ring light trim, there's three webcams yeah. in the, yep. uh, the kind of web- webcam recess at the top. So you have like each one offering a different kind <laughs> of crop. So you have like a close up one, mm. a medium close up and a wide shot, I guess, if you want to get more people or yeah. more of your messier apartment in shot. So I like that they've just kind of, like, that is the only thing this laptop is for, really, it seems like. It's like, yeah, you just want to have very extreme webcam chats. I mean, it could be quite good for doing these podcasts, wouldn't it? Sure. Exactly. It would actually be really useful. Yeah. Anything else? Um, We also obviously have covered a lot of stuff from CES and and through a lot of judging and discussion with the team uh, in between all of these staged programs for you. We've managed to come, you know, come up with a short list of candidates for the official Best of CES awards, which, by the way, for the eighth year in a row, uh, Engadget is judging the official Best of CES awards. And uh, we've announced the finalists already. We'll be announcing the winners shortly, actually this afternoon at 4.30 p.m. Eastern for podcast listeners. Uh, You can go back and look at our coverage on that. But yeah, I mean, do we want to quickly go over some of our categories? Uh, Davindra, categories and what what are your favorites in this? Because we each basically own two categories in these groups. And then we kind of uh, collaborate. We all chat with each other about what works best. Sherlyn, like what are the highlights from yours? I mean, for me, the uh, I I'll I'll grab two categories. I'll grab best wearables, and sure. because you and I were on PCs and tablets, I'll I'll actually grab best sports tech instead. Sure. Um, so best wearable sure. is the is the one of the categories that I was in charge of, and usually there's just a lot more wearables to check out at CES. And they, I think this mm-hmm. year being an online only format, we didn't see as many as we could have. Uh, and the f- one of the front runners for me in this category is the uh, Mudra band. I think it it looks. It's a way of uh, adding new ways to interact with your Apple Watch. Um, there are It's not designed for accessibility, but there are potential accessibility benefits here. Um, so I think that that stands out compared to a lot of the other things. I mean, Fossil did announce a slew of new watches, but it's just more Wear OS watches. I don't think we need to keep giving Wear OS watches awards. <laughs> I, I, they're just not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there's headphones in this category as well. So... Compared to previous years, I don't think that there's been as much to look at, but I do think that we have a good front runner in the mix. Uh, as for best mm-hmm. sports tech, again, another thing that suffered from not having a, a full show, a proper in-person show, and we have two nominees in this category. One is Samsung's uh, Samsung Health Smart Trainer that I've talked about on the show before, um, which basically allows you to use a third-party camera to analyze your form and count your reps for you when you're working out with compatible content on Samsung's TVs. And then the Wonder Size, uh, basically sort of a Netflix of exercise videos uh, service, but that also has a way to monitor your form and interact with the Apple mm-hmm. Watch. So interesting devices. Not sure what's the front runner yet on that front, though. 
<laughs> How about you, Dev? It's cool. I mean, l- let me tell you guys, like CES is kind of a rough thing for a lot of us, right? Because it involves a lot of travel, a lot of like hanging around um, mm-hmm. hotel lobbies and conference hall lobbies, and also just like not getting enough sleep, um, not eating properly because you're running all across Las Vegas and trying to talk to people, trying to write, trying to do stuff. But when we sit down and do the awards, it is uh, like us as a team taking a step back and just being like, okay, take a breath. What is good? You know, what is the mm-hmm, best? Mm-hmm. And I've always liked uh, doing the awards with us too, because, hey, it's it's cool. We're doing the official CES awards. It's, it's always fun. Sherlyn, anything else you want to highlight from your, your other category? Uh, no, I'm good. I think, Matt, what were your mm-hmm. categories? Uh, I was only gifted with one. So I did uh, Best Mobile oh. with uh, mobile editor Chris Velasco. You may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yeah, CES is traditionally not a... Um, it's not really a mobile show, is it? Yeah. No. yeah. And um, like we've already talked about a lot of these already. Um, but I want to focus on the most interesting one for me, which was the LG Rollable, which is a device we only saw mm. for a few hot se- seconds, unfortunately. It was part mm-hmm. of LG's uh, CES keynote stream, and it was the briefest of teasers of this device. Uh, it's a device <laughs> yeah. they've already told us they're making, and we've been mm-hmm. updated to know, we now know that this, wh- however this is going to roll out. <laughs> oh, I am <laughs> oh. good. Um, it's going to roll out later this year. Um, and yeah, it's our phone with a screen that will expand rolling out from one of the edges. It kind of rolls up inside itself, uh, offering you a tablet interface in a smartphone package. That's the sales pitch here. And, you know, LG never really went for foldables per se. They made like, you know, dual screen devices that could fold, but they never went for, uh, you know, a OLED screen that could fold upon itself or anything where you could create a seam. I like the idea of a scrolling OLED. It just seems to make a lot more sense to me. It seems a lot more a lot safer, uh, a lot more likely to kind of go the distance. Um, But yeah, it's still at this very Mm -hmm. early, you know, prototype teaser on a CES sizzle reel stage of development. So I'm waiting to hear a lot more about (laughs) it, but I just find the idea. And when you've got a company like LG behind it, I know that they can deliver on, you know, cutting edge display tech. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot more belief that they can kind of deliver on this device. And so, yeah, that was the mm-hmm. one that kind of intrigued me the most out of mobile. And there are others we've already talked about, the uh, the La Vie Mini with those, you know, you know my feelings on that. Um, yep. And then the <laughs> TCL Next Paper, which I also think is quite compelling. The That's the Color E-Ink mm. Display Android tablet, which Sherlin's mm. already talked about. And then the TCL 25G, because God help us, we needed a phone in the phone category. <laughs> God help us. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the fact that Mobile World Congress is always so soon after CES, I feel like has always hurt the phone side of CES. So there's that. Uh, Who knows what's happening with that show this year? It got Uh, moved, so we don't know yet. Yeah. Last mm-hmm. time I heard it was it moved to... Let me talk about my categories briefly. It's basically everything yeah. we've already talked about, right? Like I did yep. uh, best PC or tablet with Sherlyn. Right now, the nominees include the HP Elite Dragonfly Max. Yes, yes. Max. That one. And the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Titanium Yoga, which is really cool. And unannounced Asus PC and that Next Paper tablet. Um, both really cool. And the PC, the TV side, also not super surprising, right? It is... We like LG's OLEDs. Once again, the TCL6 series, Samsung's Neo QLED TVs, which have mini LED backlights. Uh, like I said, like that stuff is really cool. Will ma- It'll make LCDs look a lot better uh, for mm-hmm. a lot less than an OLED. And Sony's Cognitive Processor XR, which is their image processing for their new Bravia XR TV. So, you know, a bunch of stuff. And uh, 
I think like I feel good about these categories. I do wish we had more than just the major companies showing us products, right? Like that again is the downside of doing this all virtually. Um, and even some big companies that normally are a part of CES just didn't actually sign up for things this year. So like um, mm-hmm. Nvidia technically is not attending CES, right? So their products were not eligible for a lot of these categories. So you know there there is that sort of thing. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to mention about this? Like anything you want to call out? I think um, obviously we'll have uh, the readers' awards, the people's choice. The people's um, choice, yeah. Yes, but I don't think we don't have the final list for that quite just yet, do we? Voting's voting's open, no, right? Voting I, is open. Yeah, voting, yes. open. People's choice. So the things I would suggest you read up on, I think the one that we haven't talked about, we talked about right at the start was the the Ryzen, the the Ryzen five thousand. I think those mm-hmm. mobile chips um, they could be a big deal. Uh, in the next mm. year or two, mm. I think that's probably the kind of the driest hot pick of mine. But I think that's just it's <laughs> dry, but it means business. It's you know, it's not a it's not a giggling furry robot, sure, but I feel like it's a compelling option and something that kind of deserves plaudits and awards. Um, yeah, that's probably the one I'd suggest people read about and maybe even vote for. Am I allowed to endorse yeah. things? Well, I've endorsed it now. Yeah, it's too of late. Course. Sure. <laughs> I think that's a good point to kind of close out this section of CES chat on, which is, uh, you, you know, for those of you watching us live on YouTube right now, make sure you go and vote for the People's Choice Awards. We'll be announcing the winners of all of that, the all of the categories we talked about, 14 categories. There's also the People's Choice Awards and the best of the best for the show. Um, and we will be announcing those win- winners 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, January 13th. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, you're already either spoiled or you can already go check out who the winners were. So make sure you go to Engadget.com for that. Let's shift gears from CS fun time to uh, the end of democracy in the U.S. Uh, How about that? (laughs) How about that? Sure. Uh, Last week, we talked about the crazy event that happened last Wednesday, the day before we recorded the last podcast, right, where in which a Mm -hmm. bunch of right wing extremists and Trump supporters and neo-Nazis invaded the U.S. Capitol for reasons unknown. And um, since then, we've just been living with the aftermath of that. And there, there's a lot to uh, to basically go through here. But I think the things that are really yeah. relevant to us is how the technology companies have reacted to this. And I think in a really fascinating way, because we've given uh, Twitter and Facebook and every social media platform a lot of crap for what they have not policed very well on their platforms. But after that event, after the capital invasion, um, Facebook said that they would be um, they would indefinitely, uh, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. block Trump's account or suspend his account. Twitter just suspended his account on Friday, last Friday, permanently. Which is kind yeah. of that was the thing. That was the thing that just cut the oxygen from Donald Trump because he doesn't have this platform where he could just sit on a toilet and you know, spout off whatever he wants, potentially spark another war. And I think that probably I actually feel a lot less anxious about the state of the world because I'm not just constantly hearing him or seeing people react to him on Twitter. So there's that. Um, But also, I think, like, you see how desperate he was to get back to that platform, you know, like like an addict really, really getting for his fix because he started apparently tweeting on other people's accounts around him. So his uh, (laughs) assistants and other people that worked with him, the POTUS account and Twitter was just like, no, we're, I guess those are suspended now too. Those are out. Um, He just kept trying to get around it. And right now he's just been, uh, there's been a lot of 
conservative backlash in the U.S. that we are silencing Donald Trump, Mm. the president who has access to a massive communication platform, every TV network that he wants, you know, like he just can't do it uh, instantly with his thumbs. And I think that is a greater good for a lot of people. But what do you guys feel about this? Uh, Is it too little too late for Twitter? Do you think like did they have any choice after the after the capital invasion? I, I don't think it's too little, but I do think it's a little too late. Like I said before on last week's episode, it is it's to me telling that it took the capital being stormed for th- these companies to do something. It tells me that they're more concerned about high profile people being potentially hurt. If you think about the types of riots that have gone on in the past, the types of the numbers of lives that were lost. It, it, it took more of a high profile thing for for these companies to do something. That's my main takeaway. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, the rest of the stuff, I think I, I'm more interested to hear Matt as an onlooker from outside the US, what you think. <laughs> Just staring in with my nose against the window. Like, don't, <laughs> I'm sure you'd kind of agree to it with me to some extent but it seems like yeah. they're just all jumping on now because they know he's on his way yeah. out and right. they can just collectively get an easy win i feel it's kind yes. of it's it's a hollow victory which is a real shame right it feels that you know we've no we've seen what trump has tweeted in the past and it's been against mm-hmm. the twitter rules but somehow he's just kind mm-hmm. of stuck on and this is true of a lot of the platforms and yeah. I get that he's, you know, the leader of the most powerful country in the world and the rest of it, but the rules are the rules for a reason. But it does right, seem like social right. media is now being branded as a media platform, which I think is interesting. And that's going to have big repercussions in the future for whenever mm-hmm. another terrible human being does stuff on these networks. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see. I agree with you. That how that's going to go about in legal matters and well all kinds of things just as a business, you know, is Facebook, yeah. is Twitter more like CNN or Fox than yes, Skype? Right. I don't know. I can't think of a good analogy, right. but you know what I mean. It's <laughs> it's less tech company, more mean. media company. I I do want to say too that like some of the some of the moves that uh, Twitter had done in the past, right, labeling posts as misleading possibly, and uh, Facebook also did similar with different, uh, uh, I guess, different triggers for for Facebook. Uh, some of those moves, uh, Matt, they they seemed the sort of thing that avid Trump supporters would have ignored anyway. Right. And if you're looking at what they've done now, permanently suspending him, I think I'm kind of concerned that instead of really just silencing, I don't think we're just so-called silencing him. This is one of the accusations mm-hmm. that's happening. I do think that like his supporters are still going to be angry, still going to be riled up. Um, these are the people that we need to kind of, I guess, hear what they're saying just to know what's going on, if anything, in their heads and and see now apparently there's another you know outlet that people have been considering and then that's been kicked off basically every app store uh parlor i hear <laughs> is dying davindra <laughs> what do you think I mean, about yeah, parlor's parlor, dying good good like i the, the <laughs> way the tech industry has just kind of leapt into action because i i think the thing is like now that they've seen like what can happen just because of Donald Trump's speech and he had a um you know he had a speech to his followers uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at uh basically in front of the capitol and encouraged them to go yeah. on and uh basically encouraged them to go uh 
he did he say march on the Capitol? And he said he'd be right there with them. And <sighs> that's the power of his speech. And I think a lot of these companies realize, oh, no, even though Donald Trump is good for our platforms, you know, his engagement is good for Twitter, even if it's mm. people hating on him and Facebook, same thing. If his speech can all of a sudden start a civil war, that's bad mm. for us. And as much mm. as I give them credit for finally acting now, it does seem like uh, it seems like, yeah, they're, they're just doing this again because of self-interest and because uh, they don't want to be tied to potentially a major, even worse attack on the U.S. government. We, we've seen follow up news that's like uh there were bombs there. There were more weapons there from a lot of the mm-hmm. the extremists, and things could have gotten a lot worse. It wasn't. As I, bad I was as it going to been, say but, that as well. Yeah. Like it could have been a lot more. Like yes, the people that marched on that building, they could have been a very different type of person and do very different things. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. is one concern for sure. I mean, Parla. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Parla because yes, sure. That's <laughs> almost. Let's parlay. The parlays are like the messages in parlor, apparently, or some mm. some dumb thing. But yes, please go on. So my favorite thing about parlor is uh, a researcher has been able to draw out ninety nine percent of the content that was public on parlor, and just pull it all down. And is and like many yeah. people have just been kind of picking apart parlor that used like the free trial of Okta, which is like a two factor authentication, and then it stopped and. <laughs> <laughs> All these other like very obvious things, like when you delete something on Parler, it doesn't get deleted. It just gets marked in the metadata as quote unquote deleted. So then when someone downloaded all of it, anything that was deleted was still obviously still available to download. The and it's laziest like, programming job. I yeah. know. It's, yeah, it's like so a social easy. network that I made and I wouldn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I'd still come up with a Why, better name it, than Parler. There are, there are social security numbers in that data. Yeah. Why does Parler have people's social security numbers? I thought you guys didn't like social security. I thought that was too communist. I I don't know. It's just funny because Parler was billed as the sort of like right wing haven for free speech and free thought. And they're like, please give us your government ID. And people (laughs) willingly just gave it up to this company. Um, Parler is dying in in many ways because um, Google was the first to kick it out of its app store uh, because there was a lot of reporting saying like, yeah, the attack on the Capitol was planned in Parler and a lot of other sites, but there's a lot of discussion in Parler. Parler ended up just being, imagine that, kind of a platform for hate and extremism. And Google's like, no, no more. We don't want this. Uh, Also because Parler didn't have any moderation, right? And they couldn't really implement actual moderation in time. So Google said they weren't allowed anymore. Uh, Apple, I believe, gave them a warning that you had to, that they had to add moderation. And then, um, then they just banned them entirely too from the app store. Parler is freaking out. I think the, the coup de grace for this whole story, right? Is, uh, Amazon web services, AWS dropping (laughs) Parler as a customer. So, you know, that's the cloud service that the entire, that all of Parler is being run on. Without that, you have no app. Um, they they just yeah, they give up on that. So now Parler is suing AWS. Um, I think like I don't have much of an issue with the app store saying this app is bad. You are mm. worse for society and democracy and you don't meet our standards and we're going to mm. kick you out. Right. That seems mm. fine. The AWS thing, I think, gets us more into trickier territory uh, because mm. we don't really have net neutrality in America. Right. Mm-hmm. So a service provider can just say. I don't like this content, you're out. 
um, and we can't right. do much about it. In this case, I think it is a it's a net positive for for the world and everything. But this is one of those cases where I'm like, oh, is this too much censorship for the internet? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I unfortunately I don't have any straightforward answers, but I agree with your hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Is this a bit too far? It seems like a very strong move to make but aws are surely within their rights to do so sure so it's it's more of a legal issue right it's more it's kind of like how i was mentioning like whether well aws isn't even really a social media network or anything like that but how like Mm -hmm. how are you dealing with this company it's not a tech company anymore if it's able to kind of uh broadcast or not broadcast or allow access or not disallow access to services and apps i mean it's so essential that I would consider it like an infrastructure company and maybe it should be yes. regulated like the way power and yes. water and you know gas is in the US. So I think that's something, hey, we are not equipped as a society to deal with a lot of this stuff yet. So we're still we're still trying to figure it all out. Um goodbye, parlor. You won't be missed. I think that's <laughs> I guess like I, my I takeaway have, from this. Yeah, I I have one last thought to to close us out on, which is uh the f- I always like to inject a bit of brevity back into a heavy topic like this. Mm-hmm. But for me, the funniest bit of news was after Parler got booted from Google and Apple's app stores, another app also called Parler jumped to the top of the charts <laughs> because yes. it got so much coverage. <laughs> All the right, well, I guess maybe the right wing people were like, oh, we should support this app. And then they went and supported the wrong app. And there were tweets going around afterwards saying that this poor app just doesn't know what it's going to do with all these right-wing users now, which, again, to me, was a funny note kind of to close up this segment on good on the other app for getting all these users, but good luck trying to figure out what to do with that. Let's move on to what we've been working on, folks. I I have nothing. I am dead. I'm a husk <laughs> of a person right now. Sherlyn, what are you working on? Yeah, in addition to all these CES stuff, uh, I will be hosting the Best of CES Awards later today with Chris Velasco. And uh, then tomorrow, because we didn't have enough of high-profile days this week, we have Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked. Uh, I'll be prepping some of our coverage today for that, and I'll be on the live stream tomorrow with Chris Velasco. Uh, And then later in the day tomorrow, too, at around 5 p.m. Eastern, we will have... Google's chief of Android, Hiroshi Lockheimer himself, join us for an interview. I am very excited for that. So stay tuned, everyone. Come back for that tomorrow. Uh, Matt, how about you? Secrets. I'm working on secrets. No, I've actually got a pretty clear slate as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what Samsung throws up tomorrow. Um, It's been Mm -hmm. a while since a Samsung phone has thrilled me. So maybe this Mm. is the year, maybe. I feel like a lot of phone makers need to kind of be a bit more exciting i think arguably even apple was exciting with its last iphone family just because it had four quite different phones so if there was like a samsung galaxy s21 mini that would be cool um or just something to kind of make me stand up and pay attention would be nice um so yeah we'll see how what i think of samsung when they unleash their news Mm. javelin yeah their news javelin that's what i'm calling it (laughs) I mean, we've talked about this before. I think phones have just gotten a little boring and we're spoiled about this because we have supercomputers in our pockets and everything. But I don't know if the excitement is as much there anymore where I think it's kind of come back to PCs. Maybe that's just my bias covering this part of the industry. But it just seems like (laughs) the interesting form factors and stuff, that's where it's happening. But hey, maybe when folding phones and things like that are more useful and more affordable Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. like, yeah, maybe we'll get back into phone tech being cool. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, guys. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. Sherlyn, 
What is your surprise <laughs> this week for us? My my, my surprise uh, is I have this list of picks. So I've been watching literally nothing but my mm-hmm. own CES videos lately. But uh, so, you know, <laughs> my pick is go watch my CES videos. The most <laughs> honest you've ever been but... on this podcast. Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprised. Yeah, yeah. Just on a loop, like in the bathroom. In gadgets. Exactly. Sherlin watches Sherlin. <laughs> Um, no, but maybe a reaction video of me watching my video. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. but I do have a real pick. And I don't know if you've heard of this one before, The Vendra, which is a little show mm-hmm. that is on Netflix right now called Song Exploder. It's yes. a documentary series on how certain songs are made. There have been, it's I mean, a very the, popular a podcast. Volume. Yeah. Yeah, it was based on the podcast, and it's now a video. And I, I like the the video component of it. I think seeing the the studios that these singers and uh, artists work in um, is really interesting. Uh, basically, they take apart a song and tell you kind of how it came to be. And if you're into music, if you're you, you have, I think it's accessible enough for people without music background either. But if you have some background in music too, I think it's very informative to see how it all comes together. It's interesting for me to see how like a song can not have to start with verse first and then go into uh, pre-chorus and then chorus and then bridge and then chorus again. It, you can start by writing the chorus first or the bridge first, anything like that. It was really interesting to see. So that's the sort of music geekery I'm into. So check it out if you are interested at all in some of these songs. They have very big name artists in there um, as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely consider that. Cool. Well, I will just bring up a film that I love and was one of my favorite films of last year. And that is Bacurau. It is a mm. Brazilian kind of hard to define movie, like where this fits <laughs> in. But I love this thing. You can think of it as sort of like a neo-Western because it's very much a Western. It's set in a remote village in northern Brazil um, where all of a sudden people are dying. People are it almost seems like some people are invading this village and it's how this village kind of fights back. I call it a neo-Western with sort of like dystopian sci-fi leanings because there's so much going on in here. Uh, But I love this movie. I love it because it is full of social commentary while also being a really fun and entertaining um, kind of B-movie at times. Like it gets to be ultra-violent. You will see um, people's heads (laughs) explode when they get shotgunned in the head. Uh, But it's also about resistance and how a small community and a small diverse community has to fight off these forces that are just... um, uh, trying to invade and trying to take care, uh, basically trying to take over their home and how they fight back. And let me just say, moving into 2021 and after what happened last week, I, I'm really <laughs> trying to bring that energy into my life <laughs> and into America because it seems like we'll we'll need to be a little more aware of uh, invaders of some kind. Uh, Matt, what have you been watching? Uh, mine is so lame and New Year's resolutionary, but um, I'm getting <laughs> quite into Apple Fitness Plus. Um, nice. I've got Apple TV. It goes on my aforementioned mm-hmm. 4K LED <laughs> LG monstrosity in the corner. Um, but yeah, I'm using that. Like um, you might, uh, listeners have probably read what Sherlyn has already written about Fitness Plus and how the yoga wasn't up to her very high standards when it comes to yoga. <laughs> for me I don't do any yoga I ache in all the places so it's perfect like rudimentary movements and poses um which I like um one thing it does have a nice mix at least here in the UK it has a nice mix of American and British trainers um <laughs> because I can't really stand American voiceovers <laughs> present company mm-hmm, excluded mm-hmm. But there's something about having an American PT or an American yogi 
tell me what to do that just riles me. You're like, no, no. You're like, yeah, I feel rebellious instantly. Or I disagree. Hey, we rebelled from you. Why do you feel rebellious? I don't get it, Because you're the new world order. I don't understand. I'm the Baccarat. Does that make sense? You're the Baccarat. Um, Yeah. Is, are there like, I, multiple I, accent choices, by the way? Because I am very partial to so, Australian accents. I feel like that would really get me up and going. If they had like a oh, I find them quite relaxing. Australian accent. Yeah, yes, I'm, yes. I'm cool with Antipodean, like Kiwi, Aussie accents. Yes. They're mm-hmm. both good. Yeah, I'm um, here with you. But what about meditation? Let me, let me weigh in on a second because I, I, I don't know. I, I've tried out a lot of the Fitness Plus workouts too, Dev. There's no way to select by accent, right? But uh, if you just go through all the fitness instructors uh depending on them uh depending on what workout you use you can filter by uh, instructors too uh okay. I, I can throw you out some names i think th- that you already like like jessica on yoga she sounds like she has an australian accent um but some of them like Lashawn on dance and kyle on mm-hmm. uh, core uh they're american accents or they sound american anyway so those are a uh, dustin sounds like he's american too but i just love the the trainers <laughs> have the all had like yeah, they're they're all very calming uh, and and very friendly and approachable. I just like mm-hmm. their general attitude. They don't talk too much about themselves, which is something I really yeah. Like. You I can very like. much tell they're all high level trainers, like at the top of their field. Yes. It's very telling that, despite it being a pre recorded workout, that you feel that these guys <laughs> totally know what they're doing. And I've done enough, I've done enough like live exercise group workouts, which I yes. hate to know a good trainer from a bad trainer um but yeah i'm really getting into the fitness plus at the moment and it's adding like um i think sherlyn monitors my apple fitness on her apple watch she gets you have been working out more yes i have noticed what do you mean like monitors does she just sit there and like send you feedback not not enough rings today need to clear more Uh, rings. well it pings you if you follow someone it will ping you when they finish a workout so, wow. so Matt and off. I follow each other on our Apple watches and we get pinged when we each finish a workout and Matt has been pissed off at me for so long because he I've keeps getting updates from you that he muted me, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. Uh, mute Sherlyn on all platforms. Everybody, all platforms please. That's going the only forward. way to survive. The hate. Um, the I'm looking forward to trying out Fitness Plus, by the way, just because I've been like nursing a broken ankle, not a broken ankle, but a sprained ankle for a while and it's annoying, but I kind of want to move because I have not been moving too much. So uh, yeah. thank you so much, Matt, for your thoughts. Sherlyn, hope to hear more from Apple Fitness Plus uh, from you. And why don't you take it away, Sherlyn? That's it for this episode of the podcast this week. Everyone, thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. You can find Matt online at... I'm at that Matt Smith, that's Matt with one T, on Twitter, and I'm also the voice of Engadget's The Morning Edition. It's an early morning podcast. Google that, you'll find it. It's all good. Oh, yeah. And if you want to tell me which uh, Apple Fitness Plus yoga exercises are <laughs> tough enough for you, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast at Engadget.com and leave us a review on iTunes please because that will really help people find this podcast and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts including Spotify thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll see you soon I thought I had shh